Welcome to the Tweet Trends Podcast. Hey, Yvette, what's trending today? Hey, I'm Yvette. Hey, girl. And you are tuned into Tweet Trends. It's the quickest way to find out what's trending today. Today's Women's History Spotlight is on Frances Ellen Watkins Harper. Let's get started. The Slave Mother Heard you that shriek? It rose so wildly on the air, it seemed as if a burdened heart was breaking in despair. Saw you those hands so sadly clasped, the bowed and feeble head, the shuddering of that fragile form, that look of grief and dread? Saw you the sad, imploring eye, its every glance was pain, as if a storm of agony were sweeping through the brain. She is a mother pale with fear, her boy clings to her side, and in her kirtle vainly tries his trembling form to hide. He is not hers, although she bore for him a mother's pains. He is not hers, although her blood is coursing through his veins. He is not hers, for cruel hands may rudely tear apart the only wreath of household love that binds her breaking heart. His love has been a joyous light that o'er her pathway smiled, a fountain gushing ever new amid life's desert wild. His lightest word has been a tone of music round her heart, their lives a streamlet bent in one. Oh, Father, must they part? They tear him from her circling arms, her last and fond embrace. Oh, never more may her sad eyes gaze on his mournful face. No marvel, then, these bitter shrieks disturb the listening air. She is a mother, and her heart is breaking in despair. The poem that I just read to you, titled The Slave Mother, was arguably one of the most popular poems that was written by Frances Ellen Watkins Harper. Now, I ran across her as I was doing my research trying to decide who I wanted to highlight for Women's History Month in today's episode. And so when I ran across her, I was very intrigued. So I did a little bit more research and I wanna share that with you today. So Frances Ellen Watkins Harper, she was a poet, an author, a lecturer, an educator. She was the first African-American woman to publish a short story, but she was also an influential abolitionist, suffragist, and reformer that co-founded the National Association of Colored Women's Clubs, which is now known as the National Association of Colored Women's Clubs Incorporated. To give you a little background on her upbringing, she was born in 1825 to free parents, so therefore she was born free in Baltimore, Maryland. Unfortunately, by the time she turned three, both of her parents had passed away, so she went to live with her uncle and aunt. Her uncle, his name was William Watkins. 
He was an outspoken abolitionist. He organized a Black literary society, as well as he established his own school called the Watkins Academy for Negro Youth. So with that alone, it's easy to see why Frances became who she did. With this type of background, being raised in a household where her uncle ran a school, it's no wonder that she became an educator. He was an outspoken abolitionist. It's no wonder that she did the same. So just that in itself tells you about how a person's background can influence them to do great things. Sometimes bad things, but in this case, we've got great things going on here. So Frances went to her uncle's school until she turned 13. And back in those days, when you turned 13, you were expected to go to work. And that's exactly what she did. She became a nursemaid and a seamstress for a white family that owned a bookstore. So in her free time, she spent a great deal of her time in the bookstore. So that's where the literary portion comes in. She loves books. It only makes sense that she would write a book. At the age of 21, she wrote her first small volume of poetry called Forest Leaves. When she was 26 years old, she left her home of Maryland and became the first woman instructor at a school for free African-Americans in Wilberforce, Ohio. And the name of the school was Union Seminary. She taught there for a year and then moved to a school in York, Pennsylvania. But shortly after she started working there, her home state did something interesting as far as I'm concerned. They passed a law stating that free African-Americans living in the North were no longer allowed to enter the state of Maryland. And if they were found, they would be imprisoned or sold into slavery. So this is a time period that's interesting to me because you have free African-Americans and then you still have slavery taking place. So how troubling must it have been to see and know that there were people that were still being enslaved. You are free, but there's nothing in my mind, nothing guaranteeing that because you're free, that you'll remain free. There's always some loophole, some something that somebody can do to you to then cause you to end up being 12 years a slave, if you get my drift. So... With that having happened, she wasn't able to go back to her home state. And that was when she began to devote all of her efforts to the anti-slavery cause. So with that, she went and moved in with some friends of her uncle, William and Letitia George Still. They were abolitionists. And Mr. Still was known as the father of the Underground Railroad. So while she was there with them, she actually helped with the Underground Railroad as well. While she was living with them, she began to write more. She started writing poetry for anti-slavery newspapers. And then by the time she left in 54, she had compiled her second volume of poetry 
called Poems on Miscellaneous Subjects. So then for the next eight years, she traveled across the United States and Canada as a lecturer. After her first speech, which was called The Elevation in Education of Our People, that was when she was hired as a traveling lecturer for various organizations, including the Maine Anti-Slavery Society and the Pennsylvania Anti-Slavery Society. But in addition to these anti-slavery lectures that she was giving, she was also committed to the struggle for women's rights. So as she traveled, all of the stuff that she was observing while on the road, she was putting all of that into her writings. And then that's when she started to publish novels and short stories and poems focused on the issues of racism, feminism, and classism. So then in 59 is when she published a short story in the Anglo-African magazine called The Two Offers. And that became the first short story published by an African-American woman. I don't want to spoil it all for you. I know that I've already told you that she was a co-founder and vice president of the National Association of Colored Women's Clubs and that she was the first female to teach at the school up in Wilberforce, Ohio, things like that. But there's still more to learn about her. So if you take a moment to get to know her a little bit better for yourself, that would make all the difference in the world. Now, I will give you one more piece of information that I think is very important. When she went back out touring again, one of her key points that she was emphasizing was that Black women were facing the double burden of racism and sexism at the same time. Therefore, the fight for women's suffrage had to include suffrage for African-Americans. And in her speeches, she made it made sense to people and things were done. So that's why I want you to take a moment to do a little research on your own so you can see how great of a woman Frances Ellen Watkins Harper really was and all of the things that she did. In the meanwhile, you know where to find me, Twitter and Instagram at HeyYvette, that's at H-E-Y-E-V-E-T-T-E, or just look for the hashtag TweetTrends. All month, we're going to be celebrating women for Women's History Month. So come back again and learn about another great woman in history. Okay, I'll see you then.